Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, guys, welcome in here on a Tuesday. It is the early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. Thank you very much for stopping by and hanging out with us as we continue, uh, continue to push along here, trying to uh, get a little more clarity as to when and where and how we might be able to get some of our sports back. And I do think uh, that the NFL will once again provide us uh, a little bit of uh, content there coming up this week, Dane, as we are anticipated, of course, uh, in getting the the schedule, the actual full schedule for the 2020 season. Looks like September 10th will be the uh, the opening day, uh, so to speak, for the NFL. And um, what right. we do know without knowing, really, is uh, the four overseas games that we were planning on having, whether it be, yes. I know there was one in Mexico City with the Cardinals, and there was, of course, there always is, uh, the Jags uh, were going to end up in London at some point. So I think four in total have, in fact, been uh, canceled and uh, will not happen. So we know that there will be some extra home games. I can tell you this, too. There was a, a big thing down uh, down here over the last couple of days for Hard Rock Stadium where the uh, the Dolphins play. And there was a lot. There has been a lot of work going into Dolphin Stadium, as I'm sure it's probably happening around at many other stadiums. Uh, they are in the middle of revamping for what uh, may be a socially distant NFL crowd. Uh, right. And they are doing a lot of different things with the entrances. Uh, there is uh, going to be a, a place and an opportunity for temperatures to be taken. Everything is getting remarked as far as who, where, and how. Now, there are 65,000 people that can slam into Hard Rock Stadium where the Super Bowl just was. Uh, they are talking, at least uh, most indications are, that if they are going to be allowed in, that the socially, at least, and I'm sure this will happen in, in phases, it'll either be no fans or right. it'll be a certain percentage of fans before we can actually get to the full stadium. Uh, but it looks to be about 15,000 in a 65,000 uh, seat stadium, Dan. At least that's what they're saying down here. Their so plans, about a quarter. Yeah, their, their plans include, and the way they're setting it up, certain gates, uh, outfitting the... Uh, the metal detectors and everything else to include, of course, people uh, and a possible temperature scan and everything else. It right. looks like the new world that we're going to be in. And yeah, it's um, they are spending an awful lot of time getting that ready. Like I said, I, I'm sure a lot of stadiums are, but they are at the forefront over here. They are working. Uh, they are working night and day on getting that ready because while the NFL doesn't make a ton of money uh, from uh, just about 20 percent of the overall revenue coming from fans inside the stadium. The ones that who are going to go and, and the whole release of the schedule has to coincide with the release of ticket sales, uh, obviously. Right. So it looks like everyone's putting their best foot forward to say, hey, we may not have 65,000, but if we're going to have fans, we're probably going to be able to get 15,000 in here. And then it just becomes a first some uh, first come first serve type of situation. So uh, that that ball is already rolling for the NFL, which is which is good news. Uh, I don't know how many people will buy tickets, but they are going to be for sale, Dane, by the end of this week. 
Yeah, I mean, as we start to prepare for, as we've been talking about this quote-unquote new normal, these are some of the preparations that have to take effect. I mean, right. you know, I ventured out this weekend, and I was at a rest stop on a highway, and I saw at, the, at this restroom, you know, urinals were like every other one. You know, we're, we're blocked off, you know, sinks, every other one. So whether it's something like that, whether it's restaurants, whether it's stadiums, we are starting to kind of see what this may look like in our future. Remember, I always say the devil is in the details. We are now starting to see what these details may look like. Mm. Temperature screenings, being spread apart, you know. So that is interesting for me. And they also, you know, uh, Hard Rock has to figure out even for non-football games, right? right? Like if they have an Ariana Grande concert, what will it look like? What is the protocol? So I do think that's very interesting. When it comes to the schedule release, though, Joe, I want to see the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Rams, who are supposed to be having stadiums constructed for mm -hmm. them now, but are falling probably behind schedule. I, when this schedule comes out, the first thing I want to see is if those three teams have uh, home dates early on, or if coincidentally they have the first three weeks on the road. Yeah, uh, and there might have been, think, you're right, I mean, there might have been one schedule, and there is, obviously, it looks like, uh, might very well be a different schedule, not only because of the overseas games, but uh, I know there was some opening games that were going to be held on the West Coast in California, right. Rams and Cowboys were were, were a big, uh, you know, opening weekend kind of thing, opening Thursday night, one of the Sunday night games. Uh, they probably, I would say, are going to concentrate maybe the schedule, especially early on, those featured ones, those Sunday nights, the Monday nights, the Thursday nights, uh, probably going to be in places other than California at this particular point right now. I mean, I'm sure they'll right. keep their fingers crossed, but I got to imagine this has been torn up, written, torn up, written, torn up and written a few times, but there are 256 games that are going to be played, Dan, it looks like, and it We'll have a pretty good idea of who, what, where, and how. And I know some fan base has got to be excited that their team is not flying overseas or Mexico City or to London and that they'll actually uh, be home. Whether you can go there or not, that trip tends to usually favor one side over the other rather easily. Yeah, absolutely. And then part of the schedule also when you have the international game mm -hmm. is that you have to buy directly after that. Mm -hmm. And it sort of handcuffs you into when you have to have your buy. So maybe with that freed up, uh, some of these teams, obviously the Jaguars, you know, it may it may benefit them. Can I ask you, though, something, Joe, about mm -hmm. this? When you say, like, let's say it's Hard Rock, right? Mm -hmm. And you say 15,000 out of the 65,000, say 20% of them, something like that. Mm -hmm. What happens if a team has more than 20% in like season tickets, uh, season ticket holders alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I understand if the, you, you got to sell tickets, but I know, for example, as a Jets fan, there's like a, a, a 10, 15, 20 year waiting list yep. to get season tickets because that's already there. So these are people that have already bought them. How do you decide among your valued season ticket holders, which ones are part of the, you know, 20 or 25% that are let in and who's not? Aren't all of those your priority valued kind of customers with Absolutely. relationship? Absolutely. And then it goes by, um, you know, uh, experience or uh, who's been with Seniority. us the longest. It really does. I mean, if you've been a season ticket holder for 30 years, yeah. or 20 years, you're always going to get first crack and then they're just going to go down the list. And again, I, I you're probably going to get a lot of, yeah, no, we're good this year. We're, we're okay. Probably, we're, right. we're good, you know, and some people, like you said, may just, hey, listen, we've done it. We've always done it. We don't want to lose our place in line. So we'll buy them. But yeah. You know, they, those could end up, and that's the other question I have. Market. 
What's that secondary market yeah. going to look like, right? What is StubHub going to look like? Right. What kind of what kind of prices for these tickets? I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Like, all right, so the market uh, there, right? Yeah, what's a Sunday night game could be, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh could be usually untouchable and and hard to right. get. Well, all right, what are the, if it's only fifteen thousand fans? What? How much are those tickets going to go for? Does less fans mean higher demand, or does less fans mean? Yeah, we're we're lucky if we even get fifteen thousand. I, I think that's going to be something I'm looking for, and so is the secondary market because a lot of money tied to that secondary market. We all know it too. Yeah, I mean it's all about supply and demand, mm -hmm. right, Joe? Yep. So the the supply is definitely going to be lower. We right. know that. The question is on the demand side, you know? And we've seen polls recently, almost three-quarters of mm -hmm. fans. At least this was about a month ago. Maybe feelings have changed, would not feel comfortable going into a stadium themselves. And I understand that. But as you mentioned, you know, season tickets for franchises, sometimes that's like a family heirloom, yeah. you know, that gets passed on in wills and stuff like that. So the idea of giving up the season tickets, I think, is hard to do. But... You know, I know there are some teams that pretty much fill their entire capacity just by season tickets. So right. there's going to be some tough decisions for franchises when potentially 20, 30,000 uh, business relationships with fans. You got to tell them, sorry, I know you've been a season ticket holder for, you know, eight years, but we can't do it this year. Like that's yeah. going to happen for some teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, the corporate suites as well, who buys them, sure. who doesn't buy them. Uh, who takes a pass? Uh, that too is right. going to be very interesting. There could be a lot of a uh, lot of seats available, a lot of uh, suites available that usually aren't available. Those are all usually corporate owned anyway. Will they put the expense this year? Won't they? So right. still some things to be seen, but got to get the schedule first to figure it all out. And hopefully uh, we will have that coming up at the end of the week. At least the NFL is moving forward as if we will. We also continue to hear about. Well, what happens if college football doesn't kick off? And might the NFL uh, take up that slack and, and push right. games to Saturday? And, you know, the NFL, bless them, while they're saying all the right things, like, listen, we want college football absolutely to return. It'll be great. But the reality is they also have a very clear plan in place to take over those Saturdays and provide Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday football games, Dane, for the masses. And of course, that just means more TV, more money, more everything there. So while uh, they're saying, oh, we, of course we want college to come back, the reality is if it doesn't, yeah. Or even if college is pushed back, let's say, even delayed, you know what I mean, till maybe January or something along those lines. The NFL's got no problem stepping right in and filling that gap on uh, on Saturdays. But what a shock that they would, you know, ever pass up uh, the money to order to, to take down uh, college football. What a shock. I know. Well, well here's the thing, Joe. It's just good business sense, right? Yeah, we is. saw this last weekend, Joe. We saw it last weekend with the Arkansas Derby, right? The Kentucky Derby vacated their spot. Mm -hmm. And Oakland and the Arkansas Derby were like, we'll fill that gap. No, no problem. problem. The only game in town and have eyeballs on us. Shout out, of course, to Charlatan and Nadal, the two Batford horses that took down both divisions of the Arkansas Derby. But this is the same exact thing, Joe, right? If college football is going to vacate uh, the Saturday, 
the NFL will fill the void. And I'm sure, you know, CBS or Fox and NBC and all these places will be like, yeah, we'll take this content because we know people will watch. It's a similar thing. Hey, when one part, when one entity kind of gives up a spot, someone else will be there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, we all hope college football certainly returns and we continue to hear more and more universities uh, coming out and saying, listen, fall classes are coming will be open, which is uh, which is good to hear. And because that's the first thing that would have to happen in order for uh, some college football teams, at least the big universities, you know, the SEC, the, the big ACC programs, a lot of the big college football programs, of course, their universities have uh, uh, opted to, yes, well, we're going to go ahead and open. And of course you are, because your operating capital comes from putting asses in seats in uh, and having TV uh, contracts there for college football. So, yes, you are, uh, while it's nice to go, it's a uh, institute of higher learning, uh, not in the SEC, it's not. It is about uh, it is about contracts and football, and eventually we're going to get to college basketball season and have to make a determination there as well. But uh, right now, as it looks, the NFL, Amazon Prime again. We're going to get streaming games. We're going to get uh, a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities to be able to see our favorite teams in a lot of different places. The question is, what is their competition going to be, Dane? Will the NFL have to deal with possibly in the beginning Major League Baseball as well as maybe still the N, uh, the NBA as well as college football? A lot of that remains to be seen, but. The Masters is going to be in November. It's so there's going to be, it's not just the NFL. Uh, if all goes swimmingly here, it's going to be a final quarter of the, of the year, Dane, that is going to be unlike anything else we've ever seen in sports, uh, certainly from a betting perspective as well. Yeah, talk about making up for lost time, mm. huh, Joe. You know, yeah. like we, we talked about it when the Masters, you mentioned, got rescheduled to November. And we were mm -hmm. like, wait a second. In the state of Georgia in November, there's a few big things going on. Them Georgia dogs between the hedges. And here's what you know, right? Also, <laughs> to get a hotel room, mm -hmm. you know, near Augusta, you know, you wind up being 45 an hour out. And that's the same thing that happens, you know, for college football. What if what if the Atlanta Braves are in the NLCS or the World Series yep. at that point in time? And they're a true contender, right? So these kind of uh, double bookings are now going to happen all over the place. And we will continue to unearth them. But, you know, when some of these big boys are in conflict with each other, like right. the Masters and SEC football, it's going to be very interesting, not only from a network standpoint, but from a fan standpoint, from the area markets, uh, you know, doing all their business on sports tourism. It's going to be very, very interesting. The bars will hopefully be able to be packed by then. Yeah, we certainly uh, hope so, guys. And uh, I can tell you right now what's packed are some of these uh, virtual meeting rooms that are taking place in the uh, in the NFL right now. Uh, this could very well become the new normal uh, for a long time here, Dane. The fact that instead of uh, getting these guys to camps and doing those types of things with the rookies and everything, there are virtual camps uh, taking place right now, which is essentially all the players sitting in different uh, meeting rooms uh, online there, Dane, and, and hanging out with their position coaches and doing certain things. And while there is no substitute, and this is another part that we have to realize that while it's nice to be able to get a jump start on all those types of things in the playbook, of course, front and center, but not being on the field, not being able to execute that playbook is still something uh, that uh, is going to impact 
the NFL and, and a lot of different sports here, Dane, because even if they just show up and training camp goes as scheduled, man, that's a lot of opportunities prior to that that they might have been able to get a head start on this that they're not. That is certainly going to be something that uh, I'm going to put a lot of weight in as we get ready for this season to start at some particular point in August or September. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, about a year or two, Joe, before this pandemic here hit, I saw that there were a few teams that were moving to, like, you know, the VR masks and yep. headsets, yep. being able to actually have a virtual practice in that mm -hmm. way. And I saw it originally for guys who were injured and right. couldn't actually get on the field but can still get those quote-unquote mental reps, okay? So this would be nothing different, right? You know, installing the offense, seeing the X's and O's on the whiteboard and internalizing in that way on a Zoom meeting, I think is possible. There is still no substitute for live reps or getting into quote-unquote game shape, but I do think we're seeing other ways that we can understand, you know, passing concepts or schemes in a virtual world. Yeah, and it's worth remembering, guys, because whatever restrictions there are right now, and obviously virtual meetings is nice, but you can't have a virtual training camp then. Uh, at some particular point, they're going to have to get their ass on that field. They're going to have to throw the pads on, and they're going to have to see what they, uh, what they can do. And to me, with all the new blood and new teams and new structures uh, that we've got, there are a lot of places where Timing is going to be the most valuable thing, and uh, mark it down. Defenses, I think, are going to have a heck of a lot easier time early on than what they might normally. Uh, and I do think some of these veteran-laden teams uh, with guys like Russell Wilson and company uh, will have sure. a maybe a little bit easier time uh, executing offenses, right, than, than usual. But that's a, that's a reality, uh, and much like the – I think the NFL draft will be forever changed with the virtual aspect of it. Uh, I do think the maybe the off seasons as well and some of these uh, camps, that too will be changed. And it's very interesting to watch as things that we thought were unthinkable six months ago, Dane, three months ago for that matter, is, uh, is becoming a reality. It is, the, uh, it is the new norm. And with that, we're going to have to rethink how we approach certainly betting on these games at different points of the season. So coming up, we got more from the headlines around the world of sports. We'll tackle them. We'll do it next year on dailyrodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, guys, welcome in here to the early line on the grid at sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we push along in the sports world, looking to get ourselves in a position here over the next 30 days to welcome back sports, Dane, in just the most, uh, in the best of ways. And when I say best of ways, I mean any way, really, at this particular point. Uh, right. Anything that, uh, that involves sports uh, in this country, uh, where we actually understand the rules of some games. Not that I don't love uh, Belarus and handball. Uh, and athletes I, on two legs, right? I, the horses, know, notwithstanding. I love the horses. Don't get me wrong. Horses <laughs> are great. But any sort of sport that involves something that we know and are able to handicap would be fantastic. I do have a feeling we are 
on the way there, though. But uh, we'd be remiss, of course, if we didn't mention uh, the passing of a uh, legend in the NFL world as the uh, the all-time great there, Don Shula, passed away at the age of 90 down in my neck of the woods, uh, Dan. We yeah. learned this uh, yesterday um, that, uh, you know, Shula, listen, bless him, man. Him and his family, he's been... Uh, he's been cruising. He's done a couple of interviews over the last few months too, as well. I mean, he was in uh, he was in good spirits. Uh, he will go down as one of the all-time uh, greatest uh, when it comes to coaching in uh, in the National Football League, and and how he was young a young Johnny Unitas, and uh, all the way up uh, to Dan Marino, and uh, even after that, he was a icon hero certainly in the south florida and the miami market and uh his lasting impact on the nfl uh was just uh, unparalleled uh, it really really is and at 90 years old of course string of steakhouses here in south florida the list goes on the guy is just a uh if you can imagine dan marino how popular dan marino is in such a major part i mean dan marino is nothing compared to to what shula represented uh, down here in this uh in this area in the miami market for so many years he is certainly going to be missed uh i know members of the 72 undefeated team uh will be uh, gathering and uh this is going to be one heck of a memorial uh coming up i am sure in the next couple of weeks as uh, anybody and everyone who has had something to do with uh, Don Shuler in any way, shape, or form, even just the casual fans of the Miami Dolphins, uh, know and have heard of Don Shuler. So he will certainly be missed at the age of 90. Uh, passed away peacefully at his home, from what we understand. But uh, it's just, what are you going to say? I mean, it's you're talking about a dude who, since what? Uh, the, the 60s, right? Has, uh, has even earlier, started. I think it was 1958, he started his crazy coaching Absolute career. Crazy. You know, like now, don't get me wrong. seven years. He happens to also be on the end of the only Super Bowl us Jet fans have ever had to be a pleasure of, uh, as he beat, uh, as Jojo, right. Joe Namath ended up beating Shula and, uh, and United States. But nevertheless, That's true. nevertheless, That's true. undefeated seasons are undefeated seasons. And uh, he will always go down there. Coach, I think he retired back in 95, 96, somewhere yep. along those lines yep. from Miami. 328 regular season wins, 19 playoff uh, victories there. And there was a, I guess when you crunch the numbers, it equates to winning two out of every three games he coached. Right. Which, yeah. th think about that for a minute. And for as long as he did it, I unbelievable mm -hmm. figure in the nfl he will certainly uh be missed but certainly his uh his legacy will continue to live on certainly here in the south florida area yeah absolutely joe and i know you're down there in south florida and obviously see what kind of a giant of the game don shula is and you mentioned his kind of 328 career victories as a head coach you talked about the undefeated season with the dolphins um that super bowl you also talked like his winning percentage joe of around what 660 you say two-thirds that's like over 30 or 35 years however many it was that's going 11 and 5 every year, Joe. That's you correct. know, we're averaging going 11 and 5, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I know you and I are both Jets fans, mm -hmm. but still, even with a rival, there are sometimes you have to just respect it, you know, and absolutely that kind of level of respect goes to Don Shula as well. His son is, you know, kind of a head coach. I think now is the quarterback's coach out there in Denver. And so absolutely, you know, a giant of the game is missed. I got to feel, Joe, like it's, kind of going to be pretty soon 
before uh, that stadium or that field gets renamed mm -hmm. in one way, shape, or form, potentially, to honor the great Don Shula? Yes, it's coming. There is uh, certainly going to be, I am sure, uh, it's probably something. already in the works. Yeah, there's going to be uh, is something we had told you about it uh, earlier, guys, about how the Dolphins were already, um, you know, fitting Hard Rock Stadium uh, in right. order to be able to uh, accommodate what uh, what a new socially distant NFL season might look like. And I am fairly certain there will be a number of different things taking place this uh, NFL season here in Miami uh, to honor a uh, legend. Yeah. They don't come. I mean, they're. They just don't come um, like Don Chula does and what he meant to the game Let's... for generations, guys. We're talking uh, generations, and you're right. Yeah, he was a ninth-round pick, too, I believe. Oh, out of, yeah, he played also, I think, Washington and the Browns. People forget he was an NFL player, so he wasn't just a great coach. It's kind of like people don't know about Ditka or yeah. Madden, you know, from their former lives. But That's I think true. Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka and the crew, yep. they may pop the champagne bottle again today, yep. but in a different kind of way, pouring a little bit out for Don Shula. Yeah, uh, Dave, Donna, Sharon, and Mike, big family, of course. Uh, he was just uh, unbelievable. Deepest uh, sympathies, of course, and thoughts and prayers go out to the Shula Absolutely. family, going to be a very charged up uh, Miami Dolphins organization uh, this year. And uh, they, uh, Mr. Ross there of the Miami Dolphins has done a very good job of uh, uh, including the Shula family in just about everything since he's taken over the team. And because Shula never worked for Ross, he worked for Huizinga, uh, right, right, right. Right, right up until the point. So. Uh, in his tenure, he's not, but he uh, went out of his way to make sure that there was a, uh, a big open-door policy for Don Shula, anything and everything he ever wanted, right. keeping him a part of the Dolphins family even when he took over. So uh, it's just, it's kind of crazy to think about it because you don't think, uh, you don't think guys like that are ever, you don't think they're ever just, they're always going to be here for us, Dane. They're always right. going to be around, and uh, but definitely a lasting impression on the nfl and even today i mean some of the guys will tell you that i remember when jimmy johnson was here and, and uh he ended up uh taking over pretty much for uh you know shula and that ushered out the era of dan marino uh right. and it was shula first and then it was marino and jimmy came in and it's kind of hard to do that but even afterwards i mean jimmy had reached out uh, uh many times to uh to don shula even after all of that uh, in order to, uh, you know, there was a little rift back then, but it's never, listen, breaking up is never easy. We know that. Uh, but anybody that's ever been around the guy just felt like they were a better football person. They, they, they were better for it, uh, hanging around that guy. And some of the stuff that he was instrumental in, in the 60s, in the, certainly in the 70s, in the 80s, still holds true uh, today. And uh, that's saying a lot for a game that certainly changed but the heart of it has not changed. And Don Shula represented uh, all of that, of what the NFL was, is currently, and, uh, and what it's going to be moving forward. Some things never change. Greatness never changes, Dane. Just changes shape a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about how he's number one all time mm. in wins. You know, one of the things I'm thinking of, because like that doesn't seem to me like yes. a record that's going to get broken anytime soon, right? Especially when you think about it in this day and age, Coaches don't have a chance to, like, 
crazy, right? Get better. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, if you're just like six and ten for a couple of years, you ain't getting a chance to be out there for 30, 35 years as a coach. No. I, you know, I want to look at kind of the active list yep. and see whether it's Belichick or Pete Carroll or whoever it might be, Tomlin even, Peyton. Good point. Does anybody even have a chance at catching Don Shula? He had 30. 30- Three seasons as an NFL head coach, thirty-three as a head coach. Not he was also a, he was a defensive coordinator early on with Detroit and some of the others. I, you're right. I I don't know. Three twenty-eight, one fifty-six, and six regular season, six seventy-seven winning percentage. That's seventh best in NFL history with at least ten seasons coach. Can you see anybody getting the thirty-three years? As a head no. coach in the NFL these days, could you imagine? No, we got that's Tomlin, what I'm trying to say, right? Like Tomlin and Belichick are the so, longest tenured. I think Pete Carroll's up there after there that. Is, so, so right now, Don Shula's number one. Right. George Hallis is number three, okay? Among, among uh, active coaches, mm-hmm. it would be Belichick. Belichick okay. has 273. So he's still, what, that's 55 away. That's correct. Joe from Shula. Mm-hmm. And if you call him what getting now without Tom Brady, if that's you still correct. think even if he does reel off 10, 11 a year, that's another five years for him to catch. And in terms of other active guys, you got Andy Reid mm-hmm. next up at 207. So that's a good 10 years away. Maybe him and uh Patty Mahomes, the entire Mahomes career, maybe that's he gets correct. there. That's then crazy. is Mike Tomlin and Pete Carroll. Yes. They're tied. That's Both correct. with 133 career victories. Sean Payton right behind at 131. Then it gets to the new Cowboys coach, McCarthy, at 125. Harbaugh at 118. And ironically, John Gruden is the only other head, active head coach with over 100 wins. Remember his time in Tampa Bay, he has 106 career wins, but a long way to go. I guess Belichick is possible, though, Joe. What do you think? 55 wins away in the regular season. I guess that's, that's... within reach. It is. If he's going to be there five, six years. You average double-digit wins for the next five or six years. You're good to go. But we know how hard that is, especially since you're not going to have a – Yeah, not if you're not going to have a quarterback anymore. Uh, And his coaching tree, by the way, uh, just so you know, here are some of the names that guys that have uh, started out on the Shula who eventually went on. And then, of course, you know, you go down the tree – uh, Marty Schottheimer, of course, was uh, was an assistant under Shula for yep. many years. How he got seventh his... all time in wins, crazy in part of the tree. Cowler, <laughs> Mike McCarthy, currently there you go. Uh, Ray yep. Perkins back in the day. Uh, Bill Parcells sure. was his defensive coordinator. Uh, gave Parcells, so you know that there. Parcells, of course, then hired Belichick, Sean Payton, and Tom Coughlin. All of that is the tree, right? Uh, it's all from <laughs> the Don Shula tree, guys. So you'd be hard pressed to find coaches in the NFL now, right now, that haven't had some connection where it started with Shula and it kind of right. worked its way down because that is one impressive coaching tree. We always talk about uh, the Parcells tree or the, you know, the Coward tree. Guys, all that tree starts at one place and it started with Don right. Shula and uh, even today, they'd still talk about him, that he was the guy that laid the foundation for them and why they had the kinds of careers they did. Yeah, I kind of feel like if you if you trace the the coaching tree, right, right. the, you know, the 23andMe, Ancestry.com version of it all, don't they pretty much all go back to either Shula or like Bill Walsh? Yes. <laughs> you know, or maybe like Air Coriel. Yes. I think all the or, trees uh, kind of start. Landry, really, Landry was right. the other guy. Yep, around that. There you go, era. right? Yep. 
Just so if you trace it back long enough, all roads could potentially lead to Don Shula. All sure. roads lead. A, a significant portion of roads lead back to that man, Don Shula, who is just a NFL legend. 33 years, won two out of every three of his games. I, he's top three all time in playoff victories. I think he had 19, wow. him and Landry. Uh, just a total innovator and uh, a guy that laid that foundation for many, many coaches here uh, throughout uh, the NFL, including the guys that are on the sidelines here today. And I can't imagine anybody, uh, Andy Reed, uh, who's also probably, uh, you know, he's been going a long time, uh, Andy Reed, but yeah. I, 30 he's second years, on the active list. He's second on the active list right now. And yeah, maybe Andy can pull off 10, uh, rattle off uh, double digit wins now with his quarterback. That's provider. what I'm saying. If Mahomes, if he has Mahomes the entire Seven Mahomes years, career, right. another like 10, 12 years, you know, Andy Reid's at 207. Shula's at 328. So even if you get 10 a year, that's a that's 12 years. years. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so like Andy yeah. Reid needs, in essence, Patrick Mahomes to be Patrick Mahomes for yeah. his entire career that's and to right. never leave Kansas City. And then he's got a shot. Yes. Yes, yes. It's, um, I doubt very much that we're ever going to see anything like that uh, again. Uh, and for reason, the game has changed. Everything has uh, has changed over the years. The very uh, what have you done for me lately attitude in the I'll NFL tell you. make this hard, Dane. It would make it really I'll hard. I'll tell you. You know, we're we're so you know, we're somewhat in the same generational range. Mm -hmm. I remember my my older people in my family mm -hmm. telling me about the 1980-81 AFC championship game with the Jets and the Dolphins, right. where they decided to like let the rain happen so that the Jets running game couldn't do anything and the Dolphins went on to the Super Bowl. Okay. But in my lifetime, I was in the building, Joe. For one of the like last great wins I believe Shula had with the Dolphins, yep. I was in the building for the fake spike game, Jets That's and right. Dolphins. Um, when I was there, I thought the Jets had a win, but then obviously Marino with the fake spike. And the Jets were like contenders that year, go on to lose the rest of their games, and then the following year went 1-15. So the fake spike definitely like uh, crushed Jets fans for a while. And I do believe Shula was still there mm -hmm. uh, when that was going on. That was, you know, in the mid-90s, right before, I think, yep. he, uh, you know, set sail. You, uh, he will always be timing, mean, obviously, for depending on the generation. But the Shula Marino years, uh, yeah. were the Marx uh, brothers, duper. And remember, and also, and, because oh. they pop the champagne when they go undefeated, right? Yeah. I remember on a Monday night football in Wrigley, I, I mean, in Soldier Field, yep. when the Marx brothers are what denied the Chicago Bears from joining the Dolphins as like kind of the only undefeated champions. Remember the Bears dominated Marino. that year, yep. went 15 and one, yep. but their only loss was to Marino and Duper and Clayton. That's correct. And uh, Shula at the helm there. And uh, Marino thought he'd be back to every Super Bowl after his right. first year. It just, it never worked out, but uh, boy, they racked up an awful lot of wins before there was Brady and Belichick. Uh, there sure. was Shula and Marino. So it's uh uh, he will go down to the record books as uh, as one of the all-time greatest, if not the all-time greatest. I don't see anybody. Uh, it's going to be hard-pressed. And if Belichick does get there, uh, then, you know, hats off. But, wow, never had to do it through He's got a long era. way to go. Yeah, you know, he's still got, he's a long, got a long way to go. Long way to go. But, uh, again, condolences to the Chula family whose sons, uh, we're part of that coaching tree. Dave uh, was, uh, you know, coached the Panthers, I think, at one point. Mike Shula, offensive The Bengals, I think, was a the head Bengals coach. Rally, yeah, point. the Bengals, yeah. So it's uh, long-lasting in the uh, NFL, and I'm sure Roger Goodell and uh, the folks at the NFL are 
uh, are going to put something together here in the next yeah. coming weeks. But uh, we've got uh, some other things uh, happening, of course, in the world of sports, including the future of Aaron Rodgers. And boy, oh boy, you knew this was going to hit at some point, Dane. It's going to keep hitting. Mm -hmm. What happens to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? And should we be fading them at this particular point? We'll talk about it coming up next here on The Grid. It is Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. SportsGrid.com is where you can find us. He is Dane Martinez. I am Joe Ranieri. Thank you very much for stopping by and hanging out with us here on a Tuesday. As, uh, as we take a look here at the, uh, some of these NFL headlines over the last uh, week or so, Dane, of course, uh, we had mentioned that uh, we lost a legend in the NFL world with Don Shula passing yeah. away at the age of 90. Uh, we also learned over the last week, and we had a lot of conversations about this, what is going to happen with Andy Dalton? Where is he going to go? We actually showed some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the the numbers that were so. A lot of people were convinced they were going to the Patriots. Uh, some yeah, people right. thought Pittsburgh. To, yeah. So we end up finding out that he's yeah Jacksonville with with Bruden and voila, just like that, he snaps his fingers. He's going back to Dallas. We'll talk about that coming up. But we've also heard a lot, Dane, about well, two things. Number one. The whole Aaron Rodgers thing, I think, is is a recipe for disaster. And most people that are speaking now on it who know Aaron Rodgers and understand the dynamic that's going on in that building, um, yeah, they there's a lot of fading, I think, going on right now, Dan, and deservedly so heading into this year that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, number one, he's got two years left, I think, on the contract. And... The question remains, well, will he finish out that two years and then move on? Uh, or are we realistically looking like he's he's going to come back this year, collect his check, and then, yeah, he's going to do everything and anything in his power to get the hell out of there after, uh, after this year. And that kind of attitude, Dan, I don't know that that breeds success. And <laughs> like a lot of people are saying, I mean, listen, he could – there's a big deal. He's 36 now, right? So we're talking 37, 38. Green Bay has sounded the alarm, and just like they did with the guy he replaced in Brett Favre, right. they, yeah, listen, uh, same situation, man. It's, it's no offense, but we've got a plan for the future, and, you know, that you're not going to play forever, and it's never an easy thing to do, but it is the smart, prudent thing to do, and I would argue with anybody who says, oh, what a waste of a pick. When is it ever too soon to grab a number one quarterback, Dane, when you think the guy's going to be the future? If you keep kicking the can down the road and say, oh, you know what, we'll worry about that next year. If you have somebody you love, it is never too early to go out and draft your future quarterback on the scene. If that's what you think he is, then go get him because that may not be there coming up in any time in the near future. So the problem is you've got to have the stones in order to be able to pull that off, Dane. Like, you've got to be willing to go, I know we mm -hmm. got a guy, 
even though he's, you know, maybe on the wrong side here, he's starting to come down a little bit, but still, we know we got a Hall of Fame guy that's been with this program forever, this franchise. You got to have enough nerve to go, that's great, but we love this kid, and we think he could very well be the next Aaron Rodgers. And not for nothing, Green Bay, you've had, what, yeah, 25, 30 years of quarterbacks, like, call it, like, you know, you are... They right. get it right. So they figure it out. They seem to have gotten it right with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and all those years. Who are we to question whether or not Jordan Love can be that guy? We don't know. And that's the funny part, Dane. So many people are talking like they know what Jordan Love is going to be. None of us know. Absolutely none of us. whole lot of people passed on Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, years ago. whole lot of people passed on... Aaron Rodgers, uh, yeah, until he went off the last one in the green room. So, like, you just don't know. But I do know this. If you think he is and could be the next succession in the line of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you can't pass that up, Dave. You got to go and get it. I don't care that the optics look bad. Somebody right. in that organization has to be the adult and say, guys, we can't just worry about this. We, we, gotta, we got an organization to run. We got to worry about the next five to ten years as well. Yeah, I mean, that does make sense conceptually, Joe. We've talked about that from a team construction aspect. We laud, like, the Patriots for always making that move a year too early as opposed to a year too late. And when you talk about, like, Favre going to Aaron Rodgers, potentially if Love fulfills his potential, right, that becomes, you know, decades worth of above-average quarterback. But yeah. very few teams can say that. I'm reminded of, you know, the Colts thought they had that with Peyton Manning getting mm -hmm. to Andrew Luck, but that didn't work out. I would say the Chargers maybe had that for a while going wow, from Breeze to Rivers, right? But it is not, it is not easy. And so I understand if you think you have an opportunity to get that guy to continue the succession planning. The only pushback I have on this one, Joe, is I understand you have that eye to the future, mm -hmm. but when you're in the NFC championship game, you know, it also warrants that you should have a short-term eye on things as well because you are that close. If the Green Bay Packers were 7-9 to nine last year, I would feel a little bit different about it, right? Because I'd be like, all right, well, yep, it's time. But because they were so close mm -hmm. and because the pressing need, say, at the wide receiver position was so obvious, you know, could a more short-term win-now move have been made for them and they still get that kind of succession planning? We'll never know, right? Because we'll never know if the 2020 Packers with – you know, T. Higgins mm -hmm. would have, you know, gone, you know, over the top and actually gotten it done. We will never know that, okay? So I understand the kind of strategy with that. I just think a lot of Packers fans and Aaron Rodgers himself is a little bit perturbed because they are close and they did have that chance. But we shall see. Yep. It's, listen, could also be a very, very, very big known fact in that building that, what they saw on tape and what they've seen right. from Aaron Rodgers, the <laughs> end is a hell of a lot sooner, man. You know what I mean? So, and it's tough for athletes. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It, listen, you, you've played the game a certain way your whole life, right? And what's instinctual and what's worked for you, you're a half a step away from getting crushed, right? I mean, that, that's really what it is. And a lot of that film last year, and don't forget it, statistically, one of the worst seasons Aaron Rodgers has had in a long, long time. So the writing is on the wall for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I just, I look at Green Bay and say, kudos to you for having enough gumption to be like, I know this is going to suck. And I know this is going to look terrible. But the truth is, 
I don't know that we're going to be in a position to get the guy we really, really like uh, next year or yeah. the year after. You just don't. So if you if you go and you come to a draft and you're in the 20s and you know what? Yeah, I could get a wide receiver, right, that might help Aaron this year. It's still a 50-50 shot, right? Because even yeah. if we looked in of all the guys, and this was a great stat, too, that came out, uh, this week about the fifth year options uh, where oh, you yeah. look at the 2017 draft pick pool and of all the guys that had a fifth year option in the first round, only half were offered half. So it, Dan, if that doesn't right. tell you what a crisis. One of the top five picks, only one of the top five, Miles Garrett, the only one out of the top five where they're picking up the option, you know, Crap Trubisky, shoot. no, nope. Fournette, no, nope. Corey Davis, Nope. No, Solomon Thomas, no. So I, I hear you, Joe. It's a 50-50 yeah, no. proposition anyway. Let me ask you this, though, Joe. I get it. Really it. And if, if he's that kind of generational, you know, franchise quarterback and, and mm -hmm. he's the guy and you want to go get him, fine. For me, though, Joe, then they compound this mis if you, mistake per se. I would have then drafted the wide out in the second round, Joe. They go A.J. Dillon in the second round, and they still have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Now, I understand that the quarterback position, you always have to plan for the future. But the idea of doing the same thing at the running back position, and, and no one thought A.J. Dillon was this generational talent like we're talking about with Jordan Love. Right. So all of those excuses are kind of gone for the Packers there. So while I can understand what they're doing and the thinking behind it for Jordan right. Love in round one, I don't understand why they still never address the need at all, especially in round two. There was supposed to be so many wide receivers out there, right? So if you tell me, okay, they kicked the can down the road, but then they got, you know, Chase Claypool or Denzel Mims or one of these guys in round two, I'd understand it. But the fact that they didn't address it at all and they think like signing Devin Funches is enough, well, <laughs> we'll see. It's pretty funny when you think about it. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. You, um, I, but listen, they and it could be an identity change where they are, uh, they are becoming. They want to be a very downhill running team now, where they want to run the ball and and not ask Aaron Rodgers to do everything. Which, of course, doesn't mean that he's not going to audible out of it anyway. Which seems to be a thing of his. Uh, but listen, the the truth right. is. What we have learned here is that in the first round in the NFL, anybody that thinks anything is a sure thing is just crazy. Uh, you, you just don't know where uh, top 10 picks tend to be way more expensive, Dane, but at the same time, you're still looking at a coin flip, right? But you have to get them because you're in that position, right? And you've got to go with what you know and what you project at that particular time it is not an exact science here, guys. And you start going through all the people who are picked and not offered that fifth year versus those that are. The ones who usually are, yeah, jackpot. They're going to get paid a lot of money, like more money than right. everyone else. And the ones who don't, this is a time I think it's going to be very interesting to see. How is Leonard Fournette going to play this year? Because there, there is, right? This is an opportunity for these guys to come out swinging because if your own team Absolutely. was drafted, you won't include you in that fifth year. This is a prove me year for a lot of these guys, Dane, big yes. time.
And for a guy like Leonard Fournette specifically at the running back position, this actually could be a good thing, like for a fantasy owner, let's yes, say, of Leonard exactly. Fournette. Because you just said, right, Leonard Fournette may have a chip on his shoulder. Yep. So he's playing for that next contract, right? So he is motivated, shall we say. But I think it's also good from the Jaguar side. That's because right. what does the Jaguars probably want to do? Squeeze every last ounce out of him before he moves on, right? If you know that they're not picking up the option, this is probably the last year, then I, you know, juice the orange, shall we say. And so I think, especially for this team that doesn't have too many other options, we may see a lot of touches from Leonard Fournette. The Jags might be willing to chew him up and spit him out, and Leonard Fournette might be motivated to uh, prove himself still relevant for that next contract. Yep. And, you know, the, uh, the flip side of that too, Dane, is that, some of these players have to come, they come to a crossroad, everyone does, uh, in their careers where they have to make a decision. And the NFL becomes a, uh, you know, a reality for some guys like, holy crap, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, given all these opportunities. Well, you were, and if you're not getting that fifth-year option, you're basically being told, yeah, we're, you know, we're not impressed. And it'll be interesting Father to see how they, how do they work. <laughs> and a lot, and don't forget it, and it should be pointed out that a lot of this has to do with where these guys end up, certainly in the quarterback position. But a lot of these guys, are you going yeah. to the right defensive coordinator? Are you going to the right? Are they putting you in a position to succeed? Yep. And that more often than not, which is why we have seen all of these guys at some point in their career go to New England and all of a sudden we thought they were washed up and they were finished. And then they, they end up having these, these careers and you're like, well, what the hell happened? Like, I thought he was done. Well, no, because he wasn't put in a position to be successful, I think, and I could be crazy here, but I do think David Johnson falls into that category right now this year. I think David Johnson got a huge chip on his shoulder, and I think David Johnson uh, might very well, because of the nature of what they're going to try to do here this year in Houston, he might have a way better year than people think he is. Andy Dalton had to come to a... Um, a realization, That's which he did last say, right? year, right? I mean, he had to come to a realization in that, listen, I've only known this team, this franchise, and they're moving on from me, man. And it sucks. But one thing we didn't take into consideration is that, well, Andy Dalton is going home, basically. And none That's of us right. thought about this. Former TCU stud there, guys. TCU's in Dallas. Wouldn't you know it? That's where he ends up. And they not like not a week later, like he's released and a couple of days later. And again, yeah. you are Jerry Jones. You got to have enough. You got to have enough. You're sitting there negotiating with a quarterback for the next five years and paying $40 million a year, right? Yep. And you bring in Andy Dalton here. And it's leverage. Just brilliant. Leverage. Man. Give him all the credit. Jerry is quietly having a monster, not only draft, but offseason here, Dane. Yeah, listen, I remember after the draft, Joe, when I talked about how the Cowboys drafted the wide receiver up at the top. Yes. And I mentioned how, like, this pick to me means all eyes are on Dak Prescott, okay, because they're giving him the tools. And I remember talking to you about are they a running yep. team, a passing team. And if they got these guys, well, Dak should have the ability to put up numbers. And then does that mean he's getting paid or not? What they are now doing is having a legitimate threat 
behind him, yes. you know? So again, all eyes on Dak. You know, when we were talking about Green Bay, right? It was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers knew he never had anything behind them. He could go ahead and audible, be like, yeah, yeah, that's a cool little play you're calling, coach. I'm going to do this instead. There is now something behind door number two, and all that does is create competition, create pressure, however you want to frame it. But Dallas is definitely doing that. All eyes are on Dak Prescott. You're right. I mean, he goes back home, and we talked about this. We were we were expecting a place like Jacksonville, yes. where the path to starting was more clear, right? But this is interesting. <laughs> I, I remember when we were thinking about it, we were also talking about places that may have unanswered questions a year or two from now. Right. We mentioned Pittsburgh because we didn't know about Big Ben. We mentioned Dallas because we didn't know about this contract situation. Nope. So, I mean, it's interesting for Andy Dalton. He gets to go home. I think he got more money than than Jameis did to be a backup somewhere. Yep. And, you know, to, he's going he's gonna to hold the clipboard. But I almost think that the, the Dalton signing is, in some ways, Jerry Jones using him as a pawn in the chess game between him and Dak Prescott in the contract negotiations. Listen, Kent, and, and I look at it as... Can Andy Dalton run that offense? Absolutely he can. Probably. There is absolutely there is nothing in there that they would ask Andy Dalton to do that's going to be any different than Dak. So that's huge knowing that you got a guy that can go in there and Kellen Moore and Andy Dalton will be on the same page and no right. problem at all. Which is huge because you're not going to have to run this crazy scheme or something, or he's not going to boom. He is there. It's seamless. More experience, by the way. He is exactly we talked about it of all the teams that were looking for quarterbacks. We laughed after it was, after it came out, we're like, yeah, that, why didn't we see that coming? Like we should, cause it's the perfect fit. It's got nothing to do with whether you sign or give Dak the money. It just sends the message that, you know, message. we're here guys. And we've got a guy that we're comfortable. Certainly if we had to put him in, could lead us to the promised land as well. It's going to, it's going to take other things. I don't think it all sits on, you know, uh, Dak Prescott's being there long term or not, I think they sent that message. I think it's a brilliant message. Whether or not it sticks, we don't know. But coming up here, hour number two, his old team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Shane's going to break down, give you his thoughts here. Coming up, team number one, the Bengals are on the clock with Dane. We'll do that coming up next here on The Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.